you knew which girls worked in what part of the factory due to their health condition. Welcome back to another episode of Struggling School Libraries podcast, where we talk to you about the books we'd like to recommend. And Sabrina may not be physically here at the library right now, but she is such a dedicated reader that she is joining us remotely to review a book. And I already forgot the title of it. It has something to do with Dawn, right? (laughs) You are correct. It is called As Dawn Breaks by Kate Breslin. And is this another inspirational fiction title? It is, but it's by an author I've never read before. So very exciting. Yes, I've never read anything from Kate Breslin, but the cover caught my eye. So there's that. It's a woman looking off into the distance with some sort of like factory behind her. Oh, gosh. And, but then it has this like little crossover halfway through where it shows women like in a factory, like from the old days. So yeah, so it kind of caught my eye, but it's really fascinating because it's set in 1918 and World War One, which I feel like I don't read very often. So it was kind of refreshing and it's mainly focused on, I'm going to get this word wrong. So we're just going to, I'm just going to go for it. Munitionettes. Oh, okay. Okay. Munitionettes. I think you said it correctly. Okay. Well, that's exciting because I practiced before this (laughs) and those munitionettes are female munition workers. So they are responsible for like packing all of the bullets and the casings and the shells that were used during World War One for Great Britain. So it's very fascinating. And correct me if I'm wrong. I think I remember you and Rachel talking about different like time periods that you haven't read as much about. And were you the one that usually just strays away from World War One fiction in particular? World War II? In particular, World War II. World yes. War II. Okay, I couldn't yeah. remember. Sorry. Yeah. World War II, I feel like, is overanalyzed slash overdone when it comes to books. I know that sounds really bad. World War I is one that I haven't really ever experienced or don't experience very often. There's mm-hmm. a couple of authors that have them that Rachel really likes, but I haven't, I haven't dived into them just yet. So. so what was happening uh, with these munition workers? What was the, a little bit of the plot of the book? The plot. So right off the bat, you find out that the setting is inside of Chillwell Factory. And first couple of pages, the factory explodes. Oh, oh wow. And I it's yes. And it's crazy because one of the workers had just left and was headed to her friend's house, who was also a munitionette. And basically her friend passed away oh. in the explosion. And so I mean, this is like page three, like it's very quickly, Mm -hmm. everything happens. And so Rose or Rosalind decides to assume her friend's identity because she's in a very toxic family situation and she wants to start fresh. And so she assumes her friend's identity and realizes that she needs to continue working so that she has money. Mm -hmm. So she goes to another factory over in Gretna, Scotland area, and gets a job there as a supervisor and has never been a supervisor before, has kind of lived a life of luxury. So she has a little bit of trouble fitting in and a little bit of trouble figuring out how to be a supervisor, all while pretending to be someone totally different than herself. And also she had no prior experience working with munitions, right? Just the few months that she worked at the Chillwell factory. So, I mean, she wasn't there very long and then 
and then everything happened. So, so if she lived a life of luxury, why was she working at the munitions factory in the first place? So her parents passed away and she was kind of left to her aunt and uncle who were very wealthy. They shipped them basically off to boarding school and did all of that stuff. But when she graduated or was done with boarding school or finishing school, as it's called for the girls, they came back and it was in the middle of the war. And her uncle thought it would look good to have his daughter or ward really kind of like on the front lines. Like it was a good show for him Mm -hmm. that his family was getting involved. So interestingly enough in the author's note, the author, right, which gosh, this is a really good author's note. Um, we love author's notes. I'd love a good author's note. In this one, she talks about, the author does, about how there was like three or four different reasons people would become munitionettes. And one of them was for the looks. It was mm-hmm. to like, oh, look at what my family's doing to help the war effort, even if they didn't necessarily need to for money. Whereas that was a big thing for other people was you would make more in the factory than you did doing like a domestic job or something like that. So that's why a lot of these ladies started out so early at 14, 15 years old working in the factories Mm -hmm. because they can make more money doing that than going to school or working in like a household. And I feel like I've heard the same thing about people who were working like as nurses during the Great War. A lot of it was patriotism a lot of it was like wanting to make more money but a lot of it was also just it looks really nice for our family to have like a nurse who's willing to go on the front lines and take care of our soldiers so it's interesting to see that that also applied to like factory work as well and especially too if you didn't have sons then like what were you doing for the war basically (laughs) so I think that was kind of one of those societal this is what my family's doing type thing. Mm -hmm. So everyone's kind of like living up to that. The big thing that I said that she was coming from a toxic home life, her aunt and uncle were not good people. They may have been doing some unsavory war things, but she was being forced, I guess is the way to put it into a marriage of convenience for her uncle. So that's why she really was, saw this as an opportunity to get away. So it's interesting because all of that ends up circling back around in the craziest way because she is at the Gretna factory and they suspect that that's the next location for another explosion, another, because they found out that it was an inside job. Yeah. So that was a thing that you kind of learn early on is that something is coming. There's some sort of espionage happening and she ends up right in the middle of it. Does her new identity, does that come back around for her peers or the people she's working with at the factory? Does that ever get exposed? Oh, it, it gets exposed, but I can't say anymore because That's it's fair. it's a very big part of the plot, surprisingly. Okay. So okay. does she have a love interest that she meets during the course of this? She does. It just happens to be the guy that's ex- investigating everyone for espionage. Uh. Convenient, <laughs> right? Real convenient. So he is a former RAF pilot. So he did a lot of fighting in like France and things like that. And he is chosen for this undercover mission by the Scotland Yard and war effort because his family is from Gretna. So he kind of, they can give him an excuse of going home on medical leave. And so it really plays in very nicely. I, I will say it got a little confusing because there was espionage on top of espionage on top of espionage. And then I got confused with all the, all the guy names. Cause there was just a lot of guys, 
But once I worked out who all of them were, it was, it made a lot more sense, but I will just reader beware, be careful of your guy names because they do get confusing. How was the uh, atmosphere of Gretna, like Scotland during the Great War? Did the writer do a good job of kind of making you feel like you were in that place? I think she really did because one of the things as a supervisor in Gretna that Rose had to be a part of was the football team. So the, the different like factories had different football, women football teams. And so Mm -hmm. they would play each other as like a friendly, but competitive way of getting out of the factory and getting Mm -hmm. involved with like other ladies. And so it was really cool kind of seeing that like together atmosphere while also realizing that while there were some men that worked in the factories, these women were doing everything, you know, between like operating heavy equipment, TNT, like nitroglycerin, like all of that stuff that goes into making shells, you know, um, that was actually, that was actually the, why I was wondering how she found a love interest. Cause I was like, I'm guessing there weren't a lot of men around. But. There, there really aren't. Cause they're all at war. Yeah. But yeah. So that's why I learned a lot more about like the Canary girls, which were the women that had like very yellowed skin and bleached hair. It's because they worked without gloves pouring TNT and nitroglycerin all into the shell casings. So basically you knew which girls worked in what part of the factory due to their health conditions. So that was something she explored more in the author's note, which I loved and appreciated about how there was a lot of intestinal damage, like organ damage, things like that, as well as rotting teeth and like fingernails and like things like that. Like there was like That was another, I can't remember what part of the factory, but that was a big issue as well because they had no idea how toxic Mm -hmm. all of these chemicals were. They were just used to, okay, this is what we need to do. And interestingly enough in her author's note, the explosion from Chilwell was actually based on an explosion that had happened in the United States. So it was interesting reading more about that and how that affected like the war effort in the early years for the United States. So... Do you get a larger view of her opinion of the war or is it more of a like, like a single point type of perspective? They never really go into how each family member or, you know, her perspective even feels Mm -hmm. about the war. Everyone seems supportive. Like there's just that overall like patriotism, you know, fighting the good fight, but the focus is really more on the internal battle and internal struggle of her pretending Mm -hmm. to be someone that she's not like, there's more of a focus on that and how she struggles with her web of lies and how to keep up with that. So it's, there's more of a focus on that than there is necessarily on the war or the perception of war. Yeah. And that makes sense. Cause if you think about wars or violence, like even today, it's, unlikely that you have a huge number of people who are like following day-to-day like strategy and like things that are happening. So I was just wondering because it feels like a lot of books that I do read that are back in whatever past war, like the one we read, the Book of Lost Names. Book of Lost um, Names. And that one was actively like she was involved in like part of the war effort. And even then like you don't you don't hear a lot about what's happening because everything is so become so like day-to-day survival yeah it's granular yeah yes yeah Yeah. you don't really have a chance to sit back and be like oh 
XYZ was bombed today and also the troops are moving in here because you just don't have that luxury when you're actually actively trying to like work work on the war effort. Exactly. And that's very much the case here because it was more just factory focused. Like Mm -hmm. everything we're doing is for the war, but we don't really know where we're at with the war. It was really fascinating. Does she develop any friendships with any of the other women she's working alongside? She does. And she ends up boarding in one of the women's houses. Her name's Hannah and she needs her parents have two sons that have gone off to war and Hannah volunteers her brother's room for Rose to live in, which ended up working out nicely for the family because they needed the extra income Mm -hmm. and it gave Rose a home, like somewhere to be in. So it was, you see that relationship with Hannah as well as Hannah's family kind of develop because that's where a lot of the plot takes place as well. So does Hannah's family act almost like a surrogate family or... Oh, yeah, nice. I think they do. They really do uh, in a way that she was never expecting. And so, but she very much still wants to make enough, get enough money so that she can go and have the other life that she wanted to get her brothers away from her. She has two very young brothers that she really wants to get away from her uncle and that sort of thing. So that was a really my, good read. My big question, you're going to be out of the office for a little while do you have a backlist of inspirational fiction to hold you over <laughs> until you come back? So actually, yes, I went on Access 360 last weekend and I wish list like 24 books that I was like, these look great. Some of them don't come out until February, which is kind of nice. Gives, gives me some time to make that list a little shorter for what I can read in January. Mm-hmm. But um, yes, I do have a nice little wish list put together that I can read on my phone, that I can use one-handed while I hold the baby in the other, <laughs> that sort of thing. So I was worried we were going to have to deliver inspirational care packages. <laughs> which we still can. That's true. That's very true. But yes, yeah. No, I've got I've got a little a backlog to go through for the next few weeks. So I'm, so I'm guessing you would probably be interested in reading more books by this author. Have you started Definitely. looking into that yet? Like what her other writings are? I did. So in the back of the book, they always have like, oh, other things from Kate Breslin. And I was really surprised because there was a lot more that she had for like 1918 and that sort of thing so I was like I'm curious like I don't think she does it exactly on like factories or anything like that but I would be interested in reading another book by her It, it looks like she does a lot of really good research which I appreciate and then also includes that in her author's note which is always fantastic yes I remember that being a big sticking point for the one we read is that it is even know if it was real what's the point she never wrote me back katie oh no she ghosted you (laughs) she ghosted me how dare you right she wasn't ready for the hard facts (laughs) the hard facts that it wasn't true yeah none of this is real (laughs) so yeah kate breslin may be moving up on my on my author's list so we'll see after a couple more books where we're at but i was super Mm -hmm. impressed all right anything else that you learned that you want to share with us before we sign off well i think that's it i there was a lot in there that I learned that I didn't know very much about. So I, I really liked that. So, all right. Well, thank you so much for joining us from afar to review a book and stay tuned next week for more fantastic book recommendations. Bye.